The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Diana Bournes. Diana has more than 30 years of experience leading cross-functional teams in both startup and nonprofit organizations. She's a skilled Agile practitioner and has held the roles of Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Agile Coach. She is the current president at Ascendal, a contract software engineering firm in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Diana, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Leslie. I um, had the joy of getting to talk with you late in 2020 and just learning about the story of Ascendal, a little bit about your story um, and your own Agile journey, and was really inspired by the way you all have brought Agile and Scrum to life. And it's not just in terms of product and software delivery and the way you serve clients. It really is the way you all live and breathe every day, right? Right. Right. I, yes. like, I, I'm so excited to share this story. And before we get to that, I want to just learn more about you because I want to be able to paint a picture for all of our listeners for who Diana really is. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you found Agile, and kind of what lights a fire in your belly when you think about this stuff. Sure. So after graduating with a business degree, I uh, teamed up with some fellow graduates, and we started a professional services firm. Um, This was back in the 90s, so it was for software packaging um, and digital marketing. And at the time, we worked in in the form of teams. And when I look back at, you know, when I learned about Agile and Scrum, there were so many times when I said, oh, if only I had known about even, you know, a handful of these concepts back then, um, we would have uh, done even a better job for our clients. But um, I got a lot of great experience just working with cross-functional teams and also managing um, a professional services firm. So when I joined Ascendal, um, which is coming up on eight years now, a lot of the, that experience really translated. And then I had the opportunity to um, be mentored by our CEO, Dave Todaro, who wrote the book, um, The Epic Guide to Agile, and was introduced to these concepts of Scrum and Agile and just drank the Kool-Aid right away and just dove into it. What was it that hooked you? I think the part I love about it the best is the the social engineering piece. Mm. You know, some of those rules that we follow, for example, you can't assign a task to somebody. They have to volunteer for it. If I say, Leslie, you know what, this, this um, task to do on this story sounds like something that, that would be really good for you to do. Can you take it on and get it done by tomorrow? It's very different from saying, Leslie, this seems like something that is right in your wheelhouse. Are you willing to take it on? And if not, that's fine. But you know, is it something that, do you, do you agree? Is that something that you're willing to take on? And then you say, yeah, actually it is right in my, my wheelhouse. I'm happy to do that and I'll get it done by tomorrow. So yeah. just that, that little tweak in the way I um, ask, for, ask you to, to participate on the team makes a big difference. 
I find it really interesting that you use the phrase social engineering, though, because the way that first landed with me was like, oh, that feels manipulative and controlling. But the service that you're really describing, Diana, is so much in a like in the service of humanity and empowering people. So I love that you pointed to that nuance that's there. And and it also gets me curious, like having the skill to be able to point to that nuance means you've been cultivating your skills in agile and in leadership for quite a while, but we often learn the most from our failures. So what were some of those early challenging moments or important aha moments that you had as you were becoming kind of the seasoned leader and agile practitioner you are today? Okay. Let me unpack that a little bit. There's a lot in that question. So um, yes, I would agree first and foremost that, uh, you know, we say an expert in any one thing is someone who has failed at it time and time again, right? So that you learn from your mistakes and then become an expert. I think um, in relation to Agile and Scrum, um, and, it, and for us, it's, it's enveloped with the idea of servant leadership. It's really letting go and letting the the team, you know, be autonomous. And we have this concept of letting the boots on the ground or the people who are closest to the problem be the ones who can solve the problem. So um, with the personality that I have, which is wanting to control things at times. (laughs) I wish people could see you because like I see this my instinct might be telling me this and my self-management is kicking in and I'm choosing to take another action. Like you are using discernment in action in front of me right now. <laughs> and my hands because I'm yes. Italian. Um, I think it's that really letting go and letting each team member, um, you know, if a team member has taken on a, a responsibility or for to get something done, letting them do it, really let go. My tendency is, you know, my innate um, personality characteristic is to think that I could do it better and want to reach in and help or guide too much. Um, And so I think, you know, everyone on a scrum, scrum team, everyone in an agile organization has the opportunity. I'll, I'll state it as that it's an opportunity to let go and let that uh, colleague run with it and then bring it back. And then of course, you know, you can give input, but sometimes I, I think, I know personally, I have probably given too much direction and tried to um, insert my will too much and that it's been really fun for me, especially, you know, now I'm working on the the marketing team with um, some direct reports and they're also my, peers on a cross-functional scrum team. And I've really been able to let go and just let them run with it. And then you find that, Hey, yep, they did that actually better than I ever would have, or they're, you know, this person is much more creative than, than I am. So you can let that person shine. And then, you know, again, back to the social engineering, the confidence that comes with that of just being allowed to, um, to take responsibility and execute, uh, without the micromanagement, if you will. Yeah. What do you think has been your greatest gift having gone through that journey of letting go? Like what is now possible for you because you have let go? 
the greatest gift for me, I'm going to take a second to think about this. I think really the greatest gift is seeing, this might sound corny, it's really seeing my, um, my team grow because of my leadership. And quite oftentimes it's because of my disinvolvement, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worn a, li- a lot of different hats over the last eight years at Ascendal, starting out as a product owner, scrum master. I did some agile coaching. I coach the internal teams still in my role as president. I've taken the marketing department under my wing. So I've had a lot of um, opportunities to interact with different team members. And as we've grown, um, taken some, some less experienced agile and scrum team members under my wing and just seeing them flourish and grow and then seeing them you know, participating as thought leaders, writing blog posts, being presenters in our webinars. It's just, you know, really the, the best part about my job. Yeah. Legacy is the word that kind of comes up for me. It's like you're building that within others and that is a legacy of yours. I'll take that. That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, and I love that you're a woman doing all of this and so much of what you're describing are those classic, um, feminine leadership traits that we talk about. Um, and the challenge of as women that have to do all the things so many times, that means sometimes we have to learn to give up control because we're used to having to control all the things to keep the ship going sort of thing. So as you think about having gone through all of this, have there been pivotal moments that you've had as a woman in a right that's field of technology or things specific to agile, um, that are really important, I think, for you to share those stories or to create transparency around? Yeah, I, you know, over my career, I, I feel like from an early age, I was one of the few women in the room. And um, I think somebody did ask me along the way, like, how do you deal with some of the biases that are out there? Sometimes you'll be in a room um, and you'll have a male who... Uh, you know, maybe isn't looking at you. They're looking at your colleague who is a male and you're, you're getting some hints of that, you know, um, male chauvinism. So, and my advice was really to just not accept it, not even acknowledge it and don't look at that male and say, he's not, you know, he's not looking me in the eye because I'm a female I literally just ignore it. (laughs) Like I don't even to the point where I was at a function and was at a table with our clients and some colleagues. I was the only female and someone came up to me and said, hi, Diane, someone I knew personally. What are you doing at this function with all these guys? (laughs) I said, oh, oh, I guess I am the only female. It didn't it didn't impact me. It's not something that I think about often. Um, But knowing that you know, this has been largely a male-dominated sector. I am thrilled to see how many women are in the field now. Um, we still have 
predominantly male software engineers. So I'm working on, on that and utilizing more female software engineers and, and we're starting to see more and more. But I think just my advice is, uh, you know, don't let it be one of the things that you think about often. You know, don't let it make you act any differently than you normally would. And, and yes, I do. Um, I would be lying if I said that I don't think females make really good leaders on our leadership team. We have five people on our leadership team. We have one male and four wow. females, which, again, is a little unusual for a tech company. Um, but Dave, you know, often jokes about it. He's like, I'm the only guy in the leadership call. <laughs> and it's awesome. So, That's again, great. We, we, we don't hire. Um, we love to have diversity on many different levels in our company. We don't say, oh, we're gonna, going to hire three more females. We hire the best person for the job. Um, and it just so happens that we've ended up with four women on our, our leadership team, and it's worked out great. That's awesome. That's awesome. The, um, the leader, what do you see in Dave's leadership that creates the space for everyone to thrive? So Dave being the founder, you know, he, he started Ascendal, bootstrapped, um, and, uh, was doing it all for the first few years, right? So as we've grown and as our organizational structure has developed, um, we've adopted EOS. We talked a little bit about that entrepreneurial operating system, uh, which is was developed especially for companies like ours where there was a very strong founder um, and visionary. So as the founder and visionary, of course, you know, Ascendal was born from his ideas and his ideals and core values. And it has been, uh, you know, a, an important um, focus of his to let go of the vine. And he's increasingly done a better and better job to the point where I think he initially it was hard to give up. He was doing it all. He was a product owner. He was a scrum master. He was the lead architect on those first few projects. And now he, I think, has really enjoyed seeing the organization grow and not being uh, the, the one who has to do everything anymore. He can. Yeah, there's a freedom in that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he yeah. can. We, we often talk about trying to get each of us in our genius zones. So mm. what is our genius zone? Really, can, how can we each spend the majority of time in our genius zones? So we've really identified his genius zone as you know, having the big ideas for the company, owning the big relationships with our clients and um, resource partners, and then getting new projects off the ground, but then he's out of it. So he, he helps a lot still with um, when we have a new project and it's the really exciting time to, to work on the new architecture new, for a new product. But then he, he gets out of it and lets the team do their thing and uh, really spends more, of the, more and more of his time in his genius zone, having time to write a book and uh, do other, other things like that. That's cool. And I think there's something about even just the way you've told these stories all the way through, Diana, that 
are really, I think, pointers towards where, where I want to get us to is like, you've got this handful of like, these are our kind of keys to success at Ascendal. And that's kind of the real learning and that I want people to get from our conversation today. Hey, everyone. Natalie Warner here, the president and executive director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Let's just remind you, Ascendal is in professional services, right? Software development for your clients. And your clients are buying kind of entire agile teams. Right. Right. And that means you've got to be able to to grow rapidly as your client base expands. And there has to be lots of resiliency and flex in the organization as you know client projects spin up and die down and all of these things. So tell us just a little bit more about Ascendal and how the Agile values and principles have really allowed you all to be successful in these ways. Sure. So one model that we have adopted that has worked out really well is to use a combination onshore, full-time employees of Ascendal combined with some offshore resource partners, offshore and nearshore resource partners. So we have you know, a handful of partners that can um, match our needs for a specific project with engineers that they have who have the skill set. So that allows us to really scale up in a short amount of time. So if we have a new project um, and we know that we're going to need three developers and a QA engineer and we want to start in four weeks, then we can reach out to our partners to fill the team. And we have very strong onshore product owners, scrum masters, and software architects that um, are, you know, have been trained, are very well versed in uh, the Ascendal way of running agile scrum projects, that we can fold new engineers into our team. And very quickly, they have learned, you know, they can come up to speed on how we run our scrum teams. Um, and it's been really successful. And by leveraging the offshore and nearshore, it helps us provide a lower price to our our customers. What have been some of the things that allow you to have distributed teams be successful? Now, granted, you know, you and I are talking in 2021, we're coming up on almost a year of nearly 100% work from home. So we've all had to learn some of the things that you know, enable distributed agile teams to be successful. But you guys were doing that long before the pandemic got here. And that's always a question people have is like, how do you really be successful when you're distributed? So what if some of those tips and tricks right, that you've right. learned? Yes, we were born virtual. We've always worked from home. And I think it really comes down to process and discipline. We, um, you know, we follow Scrum to a T, but we've also really documented how we do scrum here at Ascendal. And um, we have, you know, we use Confluence and Jira. We have 
uh, about 1,300 pages on confluence, which are a combination of processes and action plans. And it really um, allows a new team member to be able to, they're just uh, able to, on their own, go and find this information. And by having a, a strong uh, scrum master and product owner, our scrum masters are essentially the embedded agile coaches on the team. So they work with the team members um, to get them up to speed very quickly. But just that whole system is very empowering. You know, yeah. I can have someone say, oh, you know, I got stuck for a little bit last night, but then I went and looked on Confluence and I found exactly what I was looking for and I got unstuck. Yeah. And if you're pointing to an area that is often a trigger for agilists and it's that idea of documentation and having action plans or SOPs, standard operating procedures. But when you and I had a chance to connect last year, you said that really was having that documentation and those SOPs was one of the important keys to success for y'all. In fact, um, it's inspired off of, right, you already mentioned the book, um, or you re- referenced the entrepreneurial operating system, which comes from the book Traction, and then another book I'm a big fan of, E-Myth Revisited, that those were two things that really inspired Dave to have this discipline and rigor around SOPs within the organization. Um how do you embrace this idea in such a way that doesn't feel like a bias towards documentation over working software? Right. So again, the the documentation is all in support of our basic scrum principles of communication first, right? Communication over documentation. So we are extremely disciplined in the scrum ceremonies that we run. Nobody misses the daily scrum We do backlog refinements um, several times within a sprint so that everyone knows what's coming up in the next sprint and can talk about the features and think them through ahead of time. We are very disciplined. One of our core values is to always be on time. We're big fans of Vince Lombardi. If you're on time, you're late. We start every meeting on time and we end it on time. And People think, you know, well, what's a big deal? It is a big deal. If you're five minutes late to a, a seven-minute daily scrum, then you've missed most of it. Um, and just all of those pieces together. And then and then the, the rigor and discipline around um, the agile approach to managing a product backlog, the prioritization, the splitting of the user stories so that we have at least three or four user stories in a sprint so that if one blows up, you still have others that you can work on. Risk or, mitigation in action. Exactly. There are so many pieces that if you don't do one of them, then it, you can just slip. And and by doing them all together, all the time, sprint after sprint after sprint, that's the discipline that um, we know that we've proven that it works. So when a new team member comes on board, yes, we have 1,300 pages of documentation. Just try it the way that that we run scrum and it's not unusual it's um just in a lot of cases spelled out right yeah Yeah. but we very much um, appreciate the retrospective we are always wanting to improve we our documentation is crowdsourced everyone has the opportunity to update it add suggestions we also run communities of practice so our scrum masters will get together 
um, every few weeks and talk about, hey, I tried this on our team and it worked out really well. And, oh, wow, that's awesome. Can, you know, We'll try it in our next sprint. We're always wanting to improve. You know, the product owners have a community as a practice and the architects do as well. So we're always wanting to share, always wanting to improve. But it also gives us a consistency across teams. So I can take an engineer from one of our projects and put it put her on a, a different scrum team and it's run the exact same way. So it, it makes the learning helps. curve smaller. Yes. The learning important. The learning curve is smaller and that also adds to our ability to scale. Yeah. And and then it sounds to me like this isn't documentation for the sake of documentation, because this is, you know, it's the result of conversations, it sounds like. And and it sounds like it's all sort of in service of organizational memory and resiliency. Right. Absolutely. So that these are things y'all are actually using. It's like, oh, so-and-so's out. I need to know how to do this. Right. And so how do I go find that versus having to reinvent it again? Exactly. Are there some stories that you have around how this is used and serves you all well? Well, this was born from, again, Dave's um, experience and his years of working with software development teams and missing deadlines. <laughs> you know, he um, adopted Scrum and Agile, I think about now, about 14 years ago. And before that, again, it was really, you'll see the, the introduction of his book. You know, he had missed yet another deadline that the sales team imposed on the engineers. And um, after adopting Agile and Scrum, it was just this huge relief because now they actually had more of a predictable schedule. Yeah. So he was also in those early years, uh, you know, the, the guy, he was the lead architect and he, you know, really couldn't take a two week vacation and be confident that things would run well in his absence. So when he started Ascendal, he said, you know what, if there's something that I need to do that either I or someone else will need to do again, and it, it can be something simple. For instance, we have a, a process on how to add a new team member to JIRA. So you don't have to go searching for it uh, in the JIRA help section, which might take you a half hour. You just go right to that process page and you find it and it's done. So he wanted to make sure that he, we would not be dependent on one person, <laughs> him. And then as we grow, Again, if somebody spends the time to learn how to, to do something, you know, how do you set up a new um, uh, pipeline in, in Bitbucket or how do you set up in, in Azure? If someone has taken the time to learn how to do that, let's share the wealth and make sure that yeah. the next person doesn't have to take the hour. They can do it in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And, and, and it is, it's just another manifestation of discipline. And, you know, one of the things that changed in the scrum guide last year was self-organizing teams to self-managing teams. And what I personally like about that change a lot is that it reinforces, like, we do have to manage ourselves and in a disciplined way, because the most successful agile teams are highly rigorous and disciplined. And it can, when you're new to it, feel like micromanagement and control. 
but there's so much freedom in the rigor um, that happens that you're not having to think about all that other stuff. You can really just think about the create the creativity and the knowledge and the innovation of the work itself and what problem we're trying to solve. Um, is that the way it feels within the organization as well? Yes. I think, you know, at its very core, um, if we've figured something out and it's working well, then let's just keep doing that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. You know, don't try to fix something that isn't broken. There are, there are with, with software development, there's plenty of um, investigation and there's plenty of challenge out there when figuring out a new technology. Let's spend our time on that. Yeah, it doesn't make it harder than it has to be. Right, <laughs> right. The process pieces that are working, let's not spend a lot of time thinking, you know, should we change our process? No, because at the end of the day, you know, all of those different pieces that I talked about, um, the ceremonies, the splitting strategies, um, prioritization, all those set us up for success and they set us up for producing to results, producing the low results that our clients are expecting to see. Um, we're so confident in it that we actually offer a guarantee that if, as our client, if you show up to Sprint Review and at the end of Sprint Re Review, you think that the team has not produced any business value, you don't have to pay for that Sprint. And a lot of people think that's pretty crazy and <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but we, we are so confident in our process and our ability to produce those results that we offer that guarantee. Yeah. Putting your money where your mouth is mm -hmm. for sure. The, um, talk to me about striving to improve and never being satisfied because that was one of the things you mentioned to me in the fall when we talked, like there's this relentless quest for improvement, but it sounds like it's improvement in the right areas in pursuit of innovation and delighting customers, not just improvement for the sake of improvement. Right. Right. So Another Vince Lombardi quote was to strive for perfection and you will stumble upon excellence. So, of, of course, we know that we are human and humans are imperfect and um, we won't be perfect all of the time with everything that we do. But if we always just strive and set the bar high, then uh, we will be excellent. And uh, I've done a bit of coaching and training of other teams for our clients over the years. And, you know, I can honestly say that our teams just consistently outperform any other team that I've, I've come across. And I think it's because we, we are just always striving uh, to be better. There are always things you can improve on. There are always things to learn. And um, I think that's, one of the things I love about my job is that I yeah. just never feel like I couldn't spend more time learning something new or just deepening, strengthening my knowledge in, in one particular area. That's great. What else do you want to share with us about Ascendal before we start to wrap up today? So over, over my career, you know, Ascendal is by far the best company that I've worked for in terms of just the whole package, the, the team members that we have, we've been able to attract really amazing people to work here. Um, everyone is just really passionate. There's no uh, 
politics is kind of an overused word, but I, I can honestly say that we have no, <laughs> no politics. Everyone is on the same page about what we're trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, that is to produce results for our customers. I think I'm very fortunate that at Ascendal, I have found an amazing mentor in our CEO and um, peer mentors in my, my leadership team who I continue to learn, learn from each and every week. And it's exciting. It's still very entrepreneurial feeling. So we're, we're growing. Um, We're now very optimistic uh, with the, the situation in the world and, you know, where we are with this crazy pandemic. Um, but I think Ascendal is really unique in the way we have been able to empower everyone in the organization. I've talked a lot about the leadership team, but everyone in the organization does spend some part of each week working on the business and helping to grow the business and helping to decide the direction of, of the organization. So I think I'm just really fortunate to have found a place that um, I feel like is just rewarding, both in the terms of the work, but also in terms of the people I get to do the work with. That is awesome. And sounds like such a blessing. It is. I think, you know, some people could work their whole career and not find such a great company to be a part of. It is a blessing. True gift, a true gift. And you you were sort of alluding to um, a topic, Diana, that I like to wrap up every conversation with, which is um, that idea of you're always learning stuff new, whether that be from your peers or from your mentor. So uh, I love to inspire listeners with new ideas of what they might geek out on. So like, what is, what's your thing you're getting into right now? So my thing is more... Um, related to organizational behavior and um, not so much the technology. There's plenty of technology to geek out on, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've become more involved with the business development side of things Mm. since last March. And I find it really, really fascinating. Um, So just in terms of what we are talking about in, in our blog posts and our webinars and reaching out and networking with people. I've uh, spent a lot more time just getting to know other people in the industry, joining additional women's groups. I became a member and was invited to the Forbes Forbes Women's Council. And um, that's been really, really exciting and fun to meet a lot of other women in management and leadership positions of all different industries. Um, So for me personally, it's just doing more connecting. And I think one benefit um, or a silver lining of the pandemic is that it's just so easy now to reach out and talk to someone and really get to know them who is in the, on the other side of the country or in another country um, all together and be able to attend more events because they've all gone to online or hybrid. It's been really yeah. easy to 
just be part parts a part of other communities and um, the educational opportunities are endless. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's easy to get so tired of virtual interaction that it's like, oh, that feels exhausting, but we are in a very unique social construct right now where um, I'd hate to look back on this time and be like, oh, I missed that opportunity to get so-and-so or hear so-and-so speak because I didn't go to that. Um, and I could have because it was virtual. Um, so I think just you know, getting curious and paying attention to those opportunities out there, that's a, that's a really good reminder for all of us now that we're about a year into this. Right, right. It can be overwhelming because there is so much out there. But yeah, but yeah. yeah it's, a, it's, you know, I try to, to choose one or two events each week to, to tune in on. Um, especially if they have networking components to them. Cause mm-hmm. I've met a lot of really great new people. That's awesome. Final thoughts, Diana, before we wrap up. Well, I want to thank you for having me. It's been really you fun are welcome. to talk about, um, you know, my journey with agile and you've made me think about things that I, you know, in a different, in a different way than I have in the past. Excellent. <laughs> I call that a win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Me too. Excellent. Um, well, yes, Dana, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciated this. Um, I hope folks find some nuggets of wisdom in here. Uh, and if uh, I assume, right, if folks are curious, we'll have your uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. That's probably the best way to reach out to you if they've got questions and want more information about what you've done to really create this culture of discipline around success with agile within a syndal. Yes. I would love for anyone to reach out to me. LinkedIn, awesome. LinkedIn is the best place for that. Probably. Great. Well, Diana, thank you again uh, for being here with me today. Thank you, Leslie. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the women in agile podcast. It's brought to you in partnership from the women in agile nonprofit organization and Accenture solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast series. You can always go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this women in agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.